Crystal's back on the show to talk about what she did after her big Amazon exit last year and how she started a new brand this year with other people's money, and she gives us her best sourcing tips and more. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. How can you get more buyers to leave you Amazon product reviews? By following up with them in a way that's compliant with Amazon terms of service. You can use Helium 10 follow-up in order to automatically send out Amazon's request a review emails to any customers you want. Not just that, but you can specify when they get the message and even filter out people that you don't want to get that message, such as people who have asked for refunds or maybe ones that you gave discounts to. For more information, visit h10.me forward slash follow up. You can sign up for a free account or you can sign up for a platinum plan and get 10% off for life by using the discount code SSP10. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted and unrehearsed, organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And speaking of different parts of the world, we are going right now, I believe, are we live in Singapore? Is that where you're at right that's now? That's correct. Yes. All the way back in Singapore. Um, it was nice to be out in Singapore a couple times. Uh, was it this year or last year? But I got to do the touristy, touristy things there, like see the the gardens and look at some places that was in one of my Korean dramas I was watching. So, so I love it out there in Singapore. But this is not your first time on our show. Crystal has been on the show. We're not going to go too much into her backstory because we have it in. I have it written here in my notes, episode three fifty one. So, if you guys want to find out her crazy story about how I discovered her from an Amazon YouTube channel and then found out that she had invested $100,000 into her uh, first Amazon business and brought it up to seven figures, had to exit. And basically that was, you know, I don't know, about a year and a half or a little bit less than a year, a year and a half ago. So now this episode, we're not going to be going into too much of the backstory, you know, but again, if you're watching or listening to this and it's your first time listening to, uh, to Crystal, maybe, maybe pause this. Go to h10.me forward slash 351. Get her backstory because we're going to be talking about it as if you guys know about it already. So, Crystal, um, we were just talking like I, I know you've been traveling a lot all over the world, going to weddings and going back home to, to China and everything. But I'll, I want to go all the way back to the last time we talked. And at that time, you were not I wouldn't want I don't want to say retired, but you were kind of like still in the aftermath of your exit and just kind of like kicking back and, and traveling and stuff. So That's is right. that, was yeah. that pretty much your life uh, for a, a year or so, or what was going on after that exit? Yeah, no. So actually, um, when we talk, I believe it was pretty much exactly a year ago. Um, mm -hmm. I was, as you said, traveling and also kind of managed my finances at the time. Uh, because, um, you know, I, I think, you know, this should be in the 30 seconds tip, but I'll say it now anyway. Uh, I think once after you have an exit, it's actually better to have a plan before you even exit it, just because mm -hmm. otherwise you're going to find yourself in a situation. And now this is not just for me. Like I heard other sellers saying the same thing. Like it will be a period of time when like, you're just like, what am I going to do next? Right. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I heard, you know, people saying that, you know, for a few months or maybe like a year, they're just like, oh, like, you know, what's next? So. I know people who have the plan before they make an exit. Perhaps they already start another brand. 
or like they know, you know, they're going to dedicate a few months to traveling. So they're planning that already. Like, I felt like that will make your timeline more productive. And I didn't do that. So like, I kind of regret it now. Um, and another part um, that I should say, like, I just didn't know was like how much hassle it goes into manage your finances. Because after you have an exit, like you kind of need to decide where do you want to put the money into, right? So mm-hmm. like that also took some time for me to like figure out like how should I allocate, you know, invest this and that. Um, and I, I would say like, you know, doing business and investing is completely two different ball games. Yep. Some people hire, you know, professional uh, investment uh, professionals for them. Like it's funny because I actually have my CFA. I used to work in an investment bank, but when it comes down to your own money, you still think about it differently. And yeah. you are so much more like risk averse <laughs> when it's your money. So I felt like that is actually worth some time into it. But I just unfortunately like underestimated how much time that it would take. So it took me a few months to kind of get my things together. And I was traveling, you know, I think uh, in Europe, in France, uh, going to, you know, weddings. I, I think I was in New York, uh, San Francisco. I was in Vegas for the uh, Prosper show. So I did a lot of traveling then, um, but then uh, around August, I started to uh, start, you know, preparing for my second brand. Um, so this time around, I did a little bit differently. So I, last time I completely bootstrapped it, uh, which means I used 100% of my own saving. Uh, but this time I actually looked for investors. So I talked to VCs, like I talked to individual investors, uh, family and friends, so like I actually this time around I'm using other people's money to. Well, uh, let me let me stop you there and ask you about that because the first time that, that was I mean that that you had a lot already a lot saved up now now you had an exit so you actually had I would even imagine more cash why the decision to use OPM other people's right. money instead yeah. of uh, instead of your own like the first time. You know, the thing is, I could, right? But then I was kind of more thinking about exploring different options. And then I was thinking, I wasn't sure what kind of values investors might add, you know, kind of what kind of perspectives they might give it to me. And, uh, you, you know, like, will they take me to a different height? So that's what I was thinking, kind hmm. of, because a lot of friends around me, I mean, to be honest, I'm a rarity. Like, most people I know, they start business with VCs or like other investors. So that's why I was thinking, okay, maybe I should also explore that as well. But I'm going to tell you about conclusion after that, but that's kind of what I was thinking in my head. So that's why I kind of spent a month just talking to different investors and see what they think, et cetera. How, how did you approach that? You know, like, are these people that were already in your network or did you yeah. go to some kind of like website where, where you can yeah. meet them or, or networking events? How did you meet these, these people? I think those are mostly kind of in my network or like friends, friends, or like, you know, people introduce me to people. I think that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, when it comes down to investors, it's much harder to cold call. So like, mm-hmm. uh, if you got referred by other people and then, um, then they already kind of, you know, you have that weak link, um, it's yeah. much better to get the funding from them, uh, and, and kind of build that trust. And also you kind of like going to sit down and talk about it in person, you know, like maybe have a, cup of coffee together like it's all about trust right for sure. these kind of relationships okay interesting so these were people you know outside i'm assuming maybe outside of the amazon world ma- mainly yes yeah they're uh, so so did they think like what, what what's their i'm just curious like what's the impression of 
of these, you know, these hardcore maybe investors, yeah. but had no experience on Amazon. You explain how Amazon works. Like, are they like, what? Are, are, you, are you serious? Like, or, 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 or did they pretty much, do they pretty much know the, uh, the game? So I think, um, and I felt like I wanted to get into it later is that I never kind of position myself as a Amazon only business because, mm-hmm. um, I try to position myself as like, Hey, I wanted to do this brand and this is what I'm thinking about. Um, and this is my direction. This is my track record. So I think if you were only talking about Amazon, then most investors these days think about aggregators and, you know, aggregators, you know, let's be honest, like, you know, they don't, a lot of them failed. Uh, so like it kind of doesn't give like Amazon, like a good rap on the street, uh, when it comes down to investors. So like, mm-hmm. I just kind of tell them that, you know, this is my track record and yeah. this is what I wanted to do. You know, this is the gap in the market, et cetera. But and yeah, also, so, I mean, it was yeah, sorry, for somebody yeah. brand new, it might've been harder. First of all, they don't have people in their network like that. And then coming in with no tracker, but you, you can show them, Hey, you know, well, first of all, you know, me, you know, like, cause these are people from your network. And second of all, right. Hey guys, here, here's my, my resume of, of already exiting a, and building yeah. a big business. So that, so that definitely helped. I'm sure. Yeah, I felt like it helped, but also in the meantime, like I felt like investors are naturally skeptical. Uh, so even if you have a track record, like they they might be willing to take a call with you, but it doesn't mean that they will give you the money. You know, so it's like they always have this sort of KPIs where like they are, oh, tell me about it while you hit this KPI or something like that. And my conclusion, by the way, even though I raised some money, but like I kind of stopped at some point because my conclusion is that. For a consumer goods business, if you do have a good product, you don't need to raise a lot of investors' money. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I felt like investors put a lot of money into, say, something like a technology because technology has a long process of R&D. And that process needs a lot of funding because it's going to go through a period of time. When that happens, there's no return. You know, they don't have any income or something like that. Versus for a consumer goods business, uh, the setup capital is much lower than a high-tech company. And your product, if it does well, can fund your business going forward. So technically, it's kind of like a cash flow business. It doesn't need like that millions of dollars to start off with in the first place, unless you are... You know, like I felt like in the say 10 years ago when the D2C model was much more popular in investors world where like they will spend a lot of money building like website, you know, putting in advertisements, money like PR, you know, that kind of things where like they build the hype up. Um, but that's a different model. So that's not Amazon. Right. So um, and that's kind of my conclusion after the whole, you know, experiencing fundraising. Okay, so but did you go? I mean, for for your new Amazon business, did you end up choosing somebody and and saying, "Hey, let let's work on this together," or did you and at the end of the day end up using your own money again? Yeah, so I t- did use some of their uh, I, I did use uh, other people's money to build this business, but I okay. also put my and, own money into it. And when you approach them, like, did you already have some idea? Like, like, did you already have the product in mind and and mm-hmm. the the brand in mind, or were you just like, "Hey, let let's build something together." And let's work on it together and decide what it is. Yeah. How did that work? So, you, you know, it's funny because I felt like, uh, you know, we're talking about there's different wrongs in this world, right? Like we're talking about this like very early like, angel wrong and, uh, you know, friends and family wrong, like just super early, right? So 
I felt like for that round, it, it's really just like people's faith in you. Because if you're mm-hmm. talking about like seed round or like series A, um, you already have a product and you have some like product market fit, you can show traction. It's a completely different topic because uh, people was they start to see a track record of this business. Like, you know, oh, this is a product, you know, this is how market reacts to it. But like when I first started off, like had a rough idea of like what I wanted to do. And I, I have a rough idea of like what my product's going to look like, but I had nothing, you know, like I, I hadn't really built it. Um, and I was just like, okay, guys, this is what I wanted to do. So that was a very different conversation. I felt like people kind of bad on me because like they believe in me. And obviously I pivoted at the idea later. So, so yeah, that's a, it's interesting, you know, like to go through the hmm. process. Okay. All right. So, um, actually, no, I didn't, I didn't remember this, uh, but I was looking at the notes that, um, our podcast director Mel prepared. And one thing you had mentioned in the last episode or the last year's episode was, was you were perhaps thinking if you were going to start another Amazon brand, you wanted to do something that was, um, either consumer goods or something that actually had dealt with like mental health. Yeah. Uh, did did uh did you end up going that direction or what? Yeah, so it's funny because I actually looked hard along to the mental health business and I tried to like kind of merge these two together where like I have a consumer business in mental health. Um and I honestly like this is what I discovered, okay? Like you can do a consumer goods business, like the old D2C model where you have this amazing product, it's on Shark Tank, you know, it's on Kickstarter and you know, whatever, right? Like the, the weighted blanket in like 2010, uh, 10 years ago, where like they raised like $5 million, uh, the first, like, you know, when the first got uh, money from Kickstarters. Uh, or you can do Amazon business. And it's really hard to kind of merge these two together because the the way to think about like a ground big breaking product idea um, and kind of do a lot of R&D in it, that is like the Shopify business, right? And kind of create that desire and demand in the market or that you just follow the market demand uh which you see on amazon and the way to think about these two and the, uh, like the, the abilities you use is also different so for amazon it's a lot more you know data analysis like uh profit and loss uh, analysis and like do some incremental innovation uh but you go with the market demand and the other one is like you completely just created, right? Like you are like, okay, like I, I want the market to have this product. It's amazing. So um, I felt like in my mind at the time, like I wanted to do mental health, but the the product that, you know, like the market demands in that, in the mental health space in terms of physical product, it's so limited. Like mental yeah. health is always like a service and is extremely customized to each mm-hmm. and every one of them. I have looking to Amazon and there's some products like, for example, uh, focus on autism, right? Um, very niche market, but like, it's, it's a good, it's a good market, but it's very, very, very limited. So at the time I was like, okay, like I needed to broaden my, my, uh, hypothesis if I wanted to play the Amazon game. So that's why I started expanding to wellness and beauty. So like not just mental health, but like more kind of wellness and alternative heating methods, um, uh, but that's like kind of a tech technology device products. Right. So I end up going that route. Uh, so okay. I end up, you know, I did create something like that, but it was just not like, uh, you know, strictly in mental health. Okay. Now again, last year, you know, the, the crazy 
stat from from your episode was that you know regardless of, you know it was your money but regardless of whose money it was it was you had invested a hundred thousand dollars you know into yeah. the company this year you know you, you, you like you said you, you you got um you know some investors but overall regardless of whose money it was uh how much was your initial startup cost this time around was it also did, did you also do a crazy six-figure investment like that or or did you well, start with less I have so so the hundred thousand dollar investment I did at the time. That was the first year's investment. So which means those are the money I put in, uh, like over the time in the first year, right? So some. Oh, of it wasn't. I, I thought it was like a hundred thousand before you even oh, had one sale or something. I did, okay, I was about I, that, I, that. was why it was crazy to me. <laughs> I was like, what in the world? Yeah, okay, but you know, I did put that a thousand, a hundred thousand dollars aside. Like I yeah, touched yeah. it. You know, so I was like, okay, yeah. this is money for the business, right? Like, I'm not going to, I'm going to starve myself before I even use that money. So like, that's kind of the the spirit behind it. And this time around, like, it's the same thing. Um, I put in, like, I would say a little bit less than that, but like uh, so far, but still quite a bit, you know, into, into the business. Okay. All right. So, um, what, when did you actually launch the product? Like what month? Yeah, so I officially is launched this year in January. Um, okay. It started in January. Uh, it's a bit of a tricky uh, category because it's like kind of linked to medical device. So I got a lot of like, uh, you know, the the restricted product and it got taken down, got taken down again, you know. So so a lot of that kind of delayed the product launch. Okay, but uh, and then did you start with one SKU or or did you have a variety of ones that you started with? Yeah, so uh, I did start with like two, three SKUs. So like I kind of just go hard on it for mm -hmm. a little bit um, instead of last time where like I, I think even last time I was going a bit aggressive too compared to, you know, some other people. Like I probably start with one, but then I added two the, the month after. So, uh, so far, like I have had two, three, four SKUs. Okay. And how, how, how is it, uh, has it done? I mean, obviously, like you said, you, you've, run into some, some hiccups, have those hiccups been resolved and Amazon is not restricting it anymore? And then do you have steady sales now? Yeah. Um, have any I of the have, products failed already or have any of them taken off? What's going on? So I have, uh, I have, um, I mean, I would say most of the existing product SKUs, they're quite stable and they're generating sales, but I constantly would have new SKUs that I want to launch to be taken down. Uh, so, so like in this category, I think that's just a constant struggle. And as far as I know, like not just me, but like anybody in this kind of like medical ish wellness space, uh, you just need to be extremely careful of what you say. Otherwise you only have FDA approval, this and that. What attracted you to like, to make you pick this? What did you just see some, some, a lot of demand and, and the existing competition was, you felt not strong and easily beatable or, or is this something that you thought, you know, maybe the demand isn't quite there, but you, you foresee the demand going up or what made you choose yeah. this? So I think, um, the, my logic to play Amazon game is, is very similar. I think that Amazon is a very bottom of the funnel channel. So like, you know, think about Shopify or whatever, that's like a top of the funnel channel where like people go there and it's cold traffic, but like, uh, unless they know your brands and they go look for it. But like for Amazon, it's the bottom of the funnel. So like the, you cannot be the market demand in my opinion, right? Like the easiest way to go with it is just to kind of flow with it. So I always take the approach where like, I want to be in a market where there is demand and there's less competition. So like, I think everybody does it slightly differently, but like, that's just kind of my logic always. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, what uh, what has been your best month uh, so far of sales? My my month of sales has always been quite stable, like around you know five figures. Um, so that's kind of because I haven't really launched more products. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, because I I think last product launch was February March. So that has been like kind of constant, you know, the stable uh, figure. Is it profitable already, or it still trying? Yes. Um, okay, well, that's pretty good. That's that. It's not something that always can be can be achieved. All right. So, what was your strategy for launching? Did you just use PPC, or did you build up a, a social media? Did you send outside traffic? Uh, run any Google ads or anything like that? Yeah, so like I'm planning to run Google Ads later on. Uh, so far for the products I launched, I actually just used my MBBC. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, but I think I'm going to probably start running Google Ads uh, very soon in the, in the future. I think it's also because at the time, uh, my website, I just built it and like I didn't quite like it. So I didn't want it to, I guess you can run Google Ads to Amazon, but you know, like I was like, okay, uh, I'm not sure if, you know, this brand look legit, you know, with my website, like I didn't really, feel like it was up for it. Um, so I didn't really want to go outside of Amazon, but I think over time I'll start to run those outside traffic as well. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, what are some, some other strategies that, that you utilize to, you know, cause it's like not everybody can, can be making over $10,000 uh, a month right off the, right off the bat, you know, cause that means it's already yeah, instantly six figure, six figure business. So, so what, what helped you um, you know, in this very difficult niche to to already start, you know, having that kind of volume? I think, first of all, like I always tell people and I would actually like to, you know, talk to you about, you know, some insights I've uh, noticed in my, for your recent trips uh, in Vietnam and China, talking to Amazon sellers there. But I think, and this is what I tell them, by the way, um, is that like your product in Amazon business in not we're not talking about the Shark Tank, whatever, like Shopify business. In Amazon business, products eighty percent, and the rest is twenty percent. If you have a great product, and the like in terms of it meets the market demand, and the rest of things are like not as good. It doesn't matter. People are still going to buy a product, so the product comes first, and then is your quality of products that will be measured by the you know your rating, right? And so if you have these two things then uh, you're pretty much winning most of the game. So that's what I kind of do too. Like I would only, uh, you know, pay, like I will only place an order if I'm 100% confident in the product. And that's what I would say like I do. And then the, the, the second thing is I try to build my credibility for these kind of yeah. niches. It's very important to have credibility. We're going to close the episode with just a bunch of strategies from you of what you've learned in these last uh, couple of things. But before we we get to that, I actually, you know, I, I didn't do this last year, but but my, my big thing this year is is talking to people about um, what they do for mental health. And you're somebody who who can appreciate that. So, you know, I tell people like, hey, um, it's important to to have hobbies uh, as an entrepreneur. It's important to know when to when to take it easy and have an escape, you know, because sometimes, as you said, when you first started, you were just working, you know, 20 hours a day, probably. And then that's not good for your physical or mental health. So, so I'm just wor- I'm wondering, you know, you know, my hobbies is travel and stuff. So yeah. I'm wondering what's, what's your hobbies as far as what you do to kind of relax. And then what are some routines that you have for either mental and or physical health? Oh gosh. I feel like there's so many. So like another reason, by the way, I actually didn't get to that. Um, but, uh, you know, this year I 
have also spent a ton of time developing my own like personal self. Um, so like the, the kind of time where like I used to spend on my business, now I took a lot of them back, uh, just to kind of work on myself, right? Internally. Uh, and we can t- talk about this for like another like two hours, but my philosophy is that at some point, like, you know, money is important, but like, it's not going to buy you everything. And then like, you know, when I first started Amazon business, I saw the sales. I was, oh yeah, it's so great. But now I saw, you know, I see the sales, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but I don't want it to get too carried away by yeah. the money uh, because it's it doesn't give me the same amount of joy as it used to anymore. So like, I felt mm. like you needed to look inside of you and be like, what makes me happy? And money isn't the answer. It's, it's never will be. Um, so, and there's nobody can give you the answer other than yourself. So I felt like that self-development is so important. Um, so there's a few things that I do. Like, first of all, I also write about, you know, topics on, you know, self-esteem for Asian, because I think that Asian as a, as a community, like we lack self-esteem because of the, uh, you know, everybody wants us to be perfect. You know, let's face it, growing up, you know, with Asian parents, they're so strict, uh, at the yep. education system and everything. So like, it's, it's really hard for your mental health. You never feel like you're good enough. Um, so I write about these topics in a way. It's also like self meditation, uh, for myself where like I reflect on the topic and it's just so healing. Uh, so that's one thing. Like I, you talk about those things, you know, on TikTok and, you know, stuff like that. Like on LinkedIn, I write about those things. Uh, so that's kind of my hobby. Uh, but also, you know, uh, you know, I meditate almost every day. Like I have done hundreds of meditation sessions for the last two to three years. Um, and I also read a lot of books, uh, you know, spiritual books, you know, ranging from Buddhism to, uh, you know, to, to mindfulness, uh, to like some kind of medical, um, books in the medical area. And I, you know, I have my own, like, you know, like, obviously I have my own therapist, but I don't just use one therapist. Uh, so like, for example, I also going to like use energy healers. Um, I, I go use oh. a medium. So like I go to that, that route. Yeah. Yeah. To, to kind of make myself understand, you know, like the, the things in the spiritual world, because there's things in the material world that we talk about, but in the spiritual world, there is, is such a rich. Sounds world. like you need a, a, a coffin shelf. Uh, I think <laughs> <laughs> you, you might be the target market for, uh, for my spooky stuff here. Uh, oh my god! Uh, I was just talking to my, ins- uh, you know, my quality inspector the other day in China. They told me that the most spooky inspection they ever done was like a, to a coffin, actual coffin company, and they need to inspect the coffins. <laughs> and it was so. Oh, so they had to lie inside of it. And yeah, stuff they had to, to lie see- inside. Oh of my it goodness! And- nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, nah, I'm good. All right, yeah, th- this passes. This passes. Okay, so so that's some good, you know, uh, mental health and physical health, uh, you know, routines. Um, but what about what about some specific? Let's go going back to Amazon. Yeah. Uh, strategy or marketing, like you know, specific yeah. PPC strategy, specific uh, keyword research you were doing, um, listing optimization. I actually leveraging AI, like what, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. What can you tell us? I will go back to a few sourcing tips. Uh, okay. <laughs> I like because, that. You know, You're first definitely of all, an expert on that. First of all, I'm Chinese, right? I was born and raised in China, spent like 20 years there. So I know China like quite well. Uh, and so, so I felt like uh, that I can give some advice on. And secondly, sure. like I felt like a lot of people, uh, you know, like let me put it in this way. A few days ago, like I was talking to Amazon itself and they said 
that they couldn't find good sourcing service providers. And now if you do sourcing, like you probably need to listen to this because they need it. <laughs> but anyway, so sourcing, I felt like it's an area where like a lot of people struggle with um, themselves, especially if you're individual sellers. Um, so, uh, from China, like the first thing I want to say, and I think that Kevin King probably said it, uh, in one of his courses with you as well, but he said that, uh, you know, in China, there's different areas for sourcing different things. So if you want yeah. to like source for like wood, uh, you might need to look in one area. If you want to like source for textile, you need to look for another area. And if you want to source for electronics, some other area. So, uh, that's a hundred percent true. And sometimes, a lot of times, uh, those uh, materials and those uh, products are like actually concentrated in one city. So that means if you source anywhere outside of that specific city, you're actually getting worse material, worse product, and uh, and worse price. So like when you look for uh, factories, like always try to you know like see where they are located. And see like whether they are in, you know, the, uh, the area that these products have, you know, like are concentrated in. So that's number one. Uh, and number two is that, uh, be careful when you use sourcing agencies because before, like I actually used one myself. Like now I do a lot of my sourcing myself, but, uh, or if I, you know, uh, I, I, uh, I need help from another sourcing person. Like I use somebody who I trust, but, um, sourcing agencies always be careful when they're in China because uh, you needed to, first of all, sometimes they get kickbacks from the factories. So maybe they, they were like, okay, I'm going to do a sourcing. This is a price, but they, and this is the money I charge you, but they also keep some money for themselves from the factory. So to be extremely mm -hmm. careful of that. Um, mm -hmm. and then one way to get around it is that like, I would just have them to give me a list of factories, right? If I were to be the person who used a sourcing agency and be like, I'm going to reach out to them myself. Right. Like don't reach out to them. Like your work is down here or something like that, or do like project with them. Um, the ends there. Um, and, or I will also go reach out to a few more factories, uh, besides the one they suggest me, uh, just to compare the price and terms and stuff like that to see if there's no, like no abnormalities there. Um, and then you also need to always order maybe like a few samples from the sourcing agency, but also some factory you choose because in the past, when I used a sourcing agency, every single time the factory, uh, the sample they give it to me is always worse than the, the samples I found myself from other factories for some reason. You know, so quality is worse, right? That's why the price is cheaper. And perhaps uh, they also, you know, you know, have a kickback themselves, right? So, so that's something I yeah. wanted to, to say. Yeah. Okay, that's that's good. Uh, I think that's important to. To understand um, uh, about that. What about on the negotiation side? Obviously, you know, not everybody is a native Chinese speaker and, you know, you, you would have advantage over me, for example, or um, my daughter can speak Chinese, so I can probably get her oh, that's uh, a little bit. But <laughs> but um, but for the average person from Europe or North America, yeah. you know, what are some tips uh, on on the, the negotiation? You know, how, yeah. can, how can we get the best uh, the best deal out there? Best deal out there, man. Um, I think that it really depends on who you're talking to. Um, so it is funny because like some of the companies, they have like almost two divisions. So they have a international division and they have a local division. And if you are like a foreigner, a Westerner, they give you a white person price. 
<laughs> and if you are Chinese, you, you talk to the Ming Mandarin, they give you a Chinese person prize. And mm-hmm. the Chinese person prize will be cheaper than, you know, the Western yeah. Westerner prize. And this is validated. Like I know this because they told me. Um, so, so I felt like, you know, it's obviously better to have somebody negotiate on your behalf who's Chinese, right? If you trust them, right? Um, because, you know, just based on what I just told you about the source agency thing. Um, but also another thing is from my own personal experience, there's, there's certain times there's benefits to use a trading company. Like people always say that, oh my gosh, I don't use a trading company. Like, I don't understand why, because trading company can give you such a good service that if you just negotiate directly with a factory, they're never going to give it to you because uh, of, you know, like something that I mentioned before, like how, you know, they don't see them, you as like the Chinese person prize or something like that. But the trading company sometimes can negotiate on your behalf a better, much better payment terms that you can, you know, like, so for example, if you were to only negotiate on your, you know, with the factory yourself, you can probably get like a best case scenario like what like a 20 a 2080 or something that you need to pay like 100 percent before you know ship out your products but if you go with a trading company sometimes they can give you a better payment terms which extends beyond you know after you have shipped out the products and maybe like 30 days 60 days something like that um, because they have you know perhaps other clients that they don't present as well so they can negotiate together uh, and they also have that existing relationship with the factory that you don't have Okay, cool. All right. So, so speaking of sourcing in China, again, I I, I, I meticulously follow you your Instagram because I, I love living vicariously through others' travels as well when I can't travel. And unfortunately, I haven't been able to get back to China. And I know I saw you a couple of times, it seemed, went back to China. I'm assuming maybe checking with you know your sourcing or, or your factories. But tell me about your, your trip to China. Like, What did you learn? Because I think even for you, that was the first time you've been back in China for since time. the before the pandemic, right? Right, right. So I think, um, yeah, I have, you know, it's really eye-opening um, experience recently traveling in different uh, countries in, in Asia, China included. I also went to Vietnam. Amazon invited me over as a speaker in, you know, I think a su- like a huge big Amazon event uh, in Vietnam where they recruit sellers from. Um, and also got to speak on behalf of Amazon China in Shanghai uh, to the business there. So I, I got to see, you know, a lot of different businesses, uh, e-commerce businesses and consumer goods businesses in China and Vietnam. And it's such an, like an eye-opening experience. And I felt like it's a, two different worlds, right? Like China and the U.S. Um, so first of all, China is going through a transition. So first, you know, a lot of people are thinking, you know, like made in China cheap stuff, like, they have made a lot of money on Amazon in the past 10, 15 years because they are the supplier of the products, right? So think about mm-hmm. Amazon in 2012, you know, if you can sell a piece of cloth or like a mop or something, you make a load of money, right? Because they need those products. They had no products. And then the Chinese people make those products, right? So if they knew the opportunity on Amazon, they will make a lot of money. So that's how they did it in the past 10, 20 years. But now they are forced to transition because they no longer will have the product advantage going forward because um, a lot of, first of all, a lot of manufacturers are transitioning into places like Vietnam, Mexico, etc. cetera. Uh, so things are going to be no longer made in China. In fact, I think yesterday, India is going to be the first country outside of China to make iPhone. Um, hmm. So secondly, um, that Chinese economy currently is going you know, pretty bad. Uh, there might be a deflation risk in China. So the businesses in China are also getting 
they're getting less orders from foreign companies. Their domestic economy is not doing as well. They're trying to find ways to expand their overseas businesses because it's not as competitive as domestically. And now how can they compete? They need to look for ways to build proper brands. So China now is in Japan in 1980s, where it was transitioning from made in Japan cheap stuff to made in Japan brands. So so they're going through that transition as well. I believe that in the future, um, the competition you see from China is not going to be those like, you know, like, okay, like, let's go on a price war kind of competition. It's going to be a stronger competition. And they're also going to be building, you know, like Western oriented brands. So that's, yeah. you know, that's, that's my, that's my observation there on my okay. trip. All right. Interesting. Now, just in general, you know, you were crushing it on Amazon, you know, 2021, first part of 2022. Now we're, you know, middle second half of 2023. Uh, what's your, what's your outlook? You know, cause, cause it's, I'm sure you've seen, it's not a hundred percent the same game as it was even just two years ago. So, so what's been, you know, the, some of the biggest differences that you've seen and, and do you have any outlook on how it's going to be maybe next year? Yeah. So I think, um, because I have built a brand, you know, I started built one in 2020 and I built, started build another one in 2022. I have seen a lot of differences, uh, in comparison. So first of all, like Amazon in 2023, there's so much more competition. And I think everybody mm-hmm. knows that. Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, D2C brands are getting to Amazon, uh, retail brands are getting to Amazon, Amazon originated brands are getting outside investors. Uh, so which means they are stronger themselves. Individual brands are got bought out by aggregators, which means they're getting institutionalized. So, so the competition is in a complete different level. Like, let me put it this way. In 2020, for example, uh, when A plus came out, uh, you know, there's what, like less than 50% of people in my category are using A plus. Now everybody is using A plus. Like that is a, <laughs> basic requirement right almost uh to people so so it's definitely getting very competitive uh so i think it's very important that you have a reason behind uh, beyond making money uh to get into the game uh so first of all you need to have a like either a good product which means you know like a distinctive advantage in your product like a patent you know or something that's a differentiator that is harder to copy um, or, you know, in a good category and either that, or you are well-founded. So you are able to do, you know, more on marketing, uh, more in product development. Uh, and also you can't just rely on Amazon as one channel. You need to go all channels. And I, I felt like I have heard this, you know, from other people too, but I think in 2023, it becomes a lot more important, uh, than before, just because of the sheer amount of competition. Okay, cool. All right. Well, uh, you know, you, you know the drill. Uh, since this is your second time around, what's uh, we we always close with a thirty second uh, thirty second tip. But before we get to there, how can uh, people find you on the interwebs? Maybe they follow follow your story uh, a little bit. Maybe reach out to you in the future. Yeah. So I'm actually, uh, you know, if you are interested in, uh, for example, offering unique services that you think is suitable for Asian sellers, just because. You know, I do have a network here, um, you know, in Singapore and in China. And, you know, just because of what I mentioned before, where like they are trying to, you know, build, you know, actually Western brands. So if you do offer unique services in those areas, uh, you know, I am looking for good partners, service providers to work together. Um, and if you have unique product ideas or you want to work together in any kind of capacity, 
you can always reach out to me uh, on Instagram. My name is, uh, it's, the, the handle is literally Crystal Ren, but Xdoren, so X-T-A-L-R-E-N. That's my uh, Instagram handle. You can DM me anytime if you wanted to uh, contact me for anything. Okay, cool. All right, what's your 30-second tip of the day? So one tip I learned to increase your productivity, by the way, uh, is to color different activities you do. So put everything together on your calendar. Like if you go take a shower, you put it on your calendar. If you go to do some paperwork, you go put it on your calendar, but you want to categorize them differently. So for example, I categorize them based on, you know, deep work, shallow work. So deep work could be something like a, a drafting agreement, right? With a supplier. And mm-hmm. that will probably take like two to three uh, hours of uh, uninterrupted time. And shallow work would be something like, a, I don't know, like, um, you know, putting together expense report, you know? So that's some kind of administrative work that you need to do. Um, and, uh, you know, there's other things, for example, like uh, personal time, um, you know, a shower. So you mark them differently to make sure that you have enough of deep work time uh, a week so that you know how much, how many hours you spend on deep work, how many hours you spend on shallow work, which is something that you want to shrink as much as possible. Um, and mm-hmm. how, how many hours you spend on personal time, which maybe perhaps that's something that you want to protect. Uh, right. And you also want to make sure that you have a balanced life. So you're not overworking. So by coloring them into different categories, you can see that visually whether you're being productive and whether you are having like a balanced week. And that's what I've been doing for now, like six, seven months now. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. So you gave us two 30 second tips, one at the beginning, one at the end. I like it. All right. Well, um, let, you know, you've, you've done a lot in the last few years and, you know, we'll definitely have you back next year. And who knows what, what you're going to be able to tell us. Maybe you've already exited this new medical brand uh, then, or maybe you've, you've grown it to seven figures. I'm very excited to see what the future holds. Uh, look forward to seeing you hopefully uh, at, um, at, at an event and wish you the best of success in your endeavors. Thank you so much, Rowdy.